today, the exciting conclusion of our three-episode cliffhanger. First, we solved the ozone hole. Then, we passed the Kigali Amendment. Now, what comes next? That's a great question. So what comes next? I'm Chris Stemp, the one trying to wrap this up so I can continue watching football. I'm Donnie Stemp, the one who thinks football is boring. It's the week of October 17th, 2022. The atmospheric carbon number is 415.85 parts per million. Welcome to the week on Earth. You're actually watching football right now. Yeah, I've got the uh, I've got four screens pulled up on my computer, and I watch every game at once. Typically, this plus my TV gives me six games at a time. You know, we're recording a podcast too. Well, priorities, Donnie. You should learn about it. It goes football, family, everything else. What is it? Is it playoff season yet? No, it just started. No, right? just the beginning of the season where I like to gamble, as we've discussed previously, mm. and uh, it's my favorite day of the week. It's just how it is. Baseball, that's kind of heating up. I watched baseball last night. The Yankees blew a ninth inning lead to go down two to one in the series, and the Mariners and the Astros played the longest postseason 0-0 game in history going, I think it was 18 innings. Yeah, I saw that, the 18-inning game. Yeah, and I fell asleep on the couch because I day drank yesterday. So it's really been a quite a weekend already. Oh. Mm-hmm. All right, so you tune into this show, you get not only the carbon number update, you get uh, sports scores. Yeah, <laughs> that's the news of the week. Let's go. What are we talking about this week? The, the conclusion, we've stretched it out. We've gone from CFCs to HFCs. And now the next generation of refrigerants, including my air conditioner. Let's go. More on that big idea in just a few minutes. But first, it's time, time for the news. For the news of the week on Honor. Our top story this week. It's one that didn't get a lot of coverage. I found only one article about it, but the more I thought about it, the more it scared the crap out of me. The World Wildlife Fund and the Zoological Society of London released their biennial Living Planet Report 2022, and it found that wildlife populations have decreased 69% in just the last 50 years. The steepest declines were in Latin America, the Caribbean, and the Amazon, which saw a 94% drop in 48 years. Yeah, Andrew Terry, the director of conservation at the Zoological Society of London, says, quote, the Living Planet Index highlights how we have cut away the very foundation of life and the situation continues to get worse. Half of the global economy and billions of people are directly reliant on nature. Preventing further biodiversity loss and restoring vital ecosystems has to be at the top of global agendas to tackle the mounting climate, environmental, and public health crisis. In a related story from Vice News, Alaska has, for the first time in history, canceled snow crab season because all the crabs are gone. 
This decision from the Alaska Department of Fish and Game follows a report released in August that showed that snow crab abundance in Alaska is on a steep decline, with stocks of crabs down 90% in the last two years. Researchers have yet to come up with a cause for this decline, but they have already agreed climate change is a main factor as snow crabs thrive in very cold weather. Yeah. One more big story to mention this week, and that is the midterm elections and their climate implications coming up in just a few weeks now. Here in California, we've got a big ballot measure called Prop 30, which would raise up to $5 billion annually to help consumers and companies buy electric cars, buses, and trucks. And it would do that by raising taxes on those earning $2 million a year or more. The money would also be used to help wildfire prevention efforts. Interestingly, the governor of California, Gavin Newsom, he's against the measure calling it a Trojan horse to funnel money to Lyft and Uber so they can buy electric cars for their fleet. This is a weird one. Yeah, not only is it weird, you read it weird, so I hope anybody understood what you were saying. Why? Uh, Maybe I wrote it weird. Yeah. Prop 30. I saw, you know, I got the flyer in the mail. It sounded great. It's, we're going to raise taxes on the rich to fund electric vehicles and wildfire prevention efforts. And our governor, who... You know, he's uh, considered pretty progressive, pretty environmental, is somehow against the measure and cutting ads against it. I think it's the conjecture is because he might be running for another higher office and he doesn't want to piss off his billionaire friends. Yeah, I've heard a lot of trash about Mr. Newsom recently. He's quite the divisive politician. Yeah, I don't like this move. The The proposition is it right now it's like 50-50 whether it will pass. And now that he's starting cutting ads against it, the prospects look a little worse. Um, point is, midterm elections are coming. They don't come that often. We've discussed on the show voting is one of the most important things we can do for the climate. Just take a few extra minutes, look at all your ballot propositions, look at the environmental benefits, do your own research, and make sure to vote. What's the idea? Hey, what's the big idea anyway? What's the idea? What's the idea? What's the idea? What's the big idea? What's the big idea? Let's get into the big idea. Let's get into it. We have covered a lot of ground in the last two episodes on... CFCs and HFCs. I'm sure everyone listened, but in case not, here's another even faster recap. This is what happened in part one. Alex made the junior invented synthetic refrigerant CFCs so that the refrigerators wouldn't blow up, but CFCs destroyed the ozone layer, which James Lovelock figured out with a little machine he built. Then Jerry and Melina measured, studied, and confirmed that CFCs were eating away at Earth's protective blanket. And they tried to warn the planet, but nobody listened, of course. But then everybody in America watched an episode of All in the Family, where a man yelled at Gloria and said that hairspray was going to give us all cancer and destroy the planet. And so then and there, we stopped buying hairspray. And so Ronald Reagan and Margaret Thatcher actually agreed to solve the problem. And along with the entire UN and the amazing heroes who work on the Montreal Protocol, the whole planet agreed to phase out CFCs and save the ozone layer. You can do this one regular speed. What happened in part two, Chris? Well, in part two, we learned that the replacement for CFCs, HFCs, were better for ozone, but terrible for climate change, and that they're very potent greenhouse gases. As we were working on the episode, the Kigali Amendment to the Montreal Protocol was ratified by the U.S. Senate. It set up clear goals and a roadmap for countries and industries to transition from HFCs to the next generation of climate-friendly refrigerants. Refrigerants like those for my brand new air conditioner. You the Price is Right music. Donnie Stump, come on down. Listen, Donnie, I got to say what most listeners are probably thinking. Why did we dedicate three episodes to this? 
Um, it just worked out that way. There's a lot of information, and we spent some early episodes really thinking about CO2. And the more I got into this idea of HFCs, it's such a potent global warming uh, gas, but a short or medium term one, it's just almost as important. I think you're going to hear a guest say that just fixing the HFC problem will eliminate half a degree of warming. So it's actually a big issue and one I didn't know as much about. Well, now you do, and so do our tens of thousands of listeners. Yeah. So let's talk a little bit more about HFCs and what comes next. Dealing with HFCs is one of the most impactful things we can do to mitigate climate change. That's Christina Theodoridi, an HFC expert and policy analyst with the NRDC. That's one of the reasons why we've seen so much progress, not just in the U.S., but but globally. We've seen governments take action. We've seen companies produce better products and find those alternatives and put them in the market. It, it really is one of the, the most important actions we can take for climate change. And in fact, we have calculated that the global phase down of HFCs, which is actually underway right now, if implemented by all countries in the world, it can avoid up to half a degree of Celsius of warming by the end of the century. So when we're talking about trying to uh, limit the warming of temperatures to 1.5 degrees, that half degree is really important. And we know how to do it. And we've seen a lot of action in that direction. So I'm, I'm really hopeful that we're going to see the climate benefits from this transition very soon. So this phase down of HFCs is a big, big deal. And the million dollar question, and for these businesses in the refrigeration business, the billion dollar question is, what? comes next? That's a great question. Uh, So what comes next? Industry has already spent billions of dollars developing the next generation and is already starting to roll out HFOs um, or very low global warming potential HFCs. And instead of being hundreds to thousands of times more potent than carbon dioxide, they might be anywhere from no worse than carbon dioxide to a few hundred times worse. Uh, And when you're using them in very small amounts, in your refrigerator or your air conditioner, the cumulative effect um, isn't that significant. That's Phil McKenna, another HFC expert and reporter with our favorite Inside Climate News. So that's all good news. And we'll get into talking about my air conditioner and refrigerator in just a few minutes, believe me. But Phil, are there any other new refrigerants that are even better, even cleaner? Interestingly, there has been an alternative all along that could be used and is ready and has been used in other countries, just starting to be used in the U.S., and that is quote-unquote natural refrigerants or hydrocarbon refrigerants, the biggest one of which is propane. You can now use propane as a refrigerant in refrigerators in the U.S. This is something that has been available in Europe and other parts of the world for decades Um, but was just recently approved uh, by U.S. safety standards for use in the U.S. And there's a big push now to have those safety standards extended so that you could use um, propane and other hydrocarbon refrigerants in air conditioners and in heat pumps. Yeah, did you know that? You can use propane to power your refrigerator. Sounds insane. 
Speaking of propane, did you know I have a flamethrower that is propane powered and I use it for all of my bonfires? Highly recommend $45 at Home Depot. <laughs> That's environmental. Yeah, but dude, I mean, it's just amazing. <laughs> well, you, you also have, do you have propane heating for your whole house? Yeah, it's awful. It's awful. Quick propane story while we're on the subject. One month of heating cost me $800 last year. It was so much money that I called my propane company and said, I'm worried we have a leak. And the lady said, you don't. We've been getting a lot of those calls this year. That's because propane prices have increased over 30%. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, maybe when we uh, get into my air conditioner, we're going to go look at uh, a website that has some alternatives. Maybe we can find something for your heating system too. I am. I actually talked to Jeff. I'm going to be doing um, thermal. Oh, geothermal. Geothermal. Yep. Geothermal heat. Yep. That's cool. That's what we're doing next because our furnace is about 20 years old. So that'll be going soon. About 25 grand or so. There are rebates and discounts from the tax code that we're going to be leveraging. Right. All right. Well, then I can wait no longer. Let's get right into my air conditioner. As you know, we had the heat wave this summer. I really wanted to upgrade my air conditioner. I was learning about these new refrigerants. I went online. I couldn't find anything. I didn't know if these type of new refrigerants were available in the U.S. Anyway, I also, I rent my house, so I didn't have a lot of options. We got the management company to replace the air conditioner. The technician came over. I said, um, I found this one on Amazon that looks like it has R32, this new refrigerant. Can you get me that one? And he said, well, I have to just go to the store and I'll see what I can do. But he clearly had no idea what he was talking about. Long story short, I got lucky. He just happened to buy a refrigerator with the R32, which has 66% less global warming potential than the previous refrigerants. So I thought it was pretty, pretty good. I felt great about that. I want to ask Phil, Phil, so how did I do with my new R32 refrigerant air conditioner? Pretty good. Pretty good. <laughs> I, uh, it, it's not the worst. It's, it's the best, uh, one of the best that's currently available. Uh, actually, for air conditioners, it is the best. And I think R32 has a global warming potential uh, several hundred times worse than carbon dioxide, but not the thousands of times worse than CO2 as, as some of the prior HFCs. I went through all of this and uh, I, I feel your pain. It's incredibly difficult to know what you're buying. Last year, I tried to buy a refrigerator that used propane as its refrigerant. Even knowing, uh, this is my beat, I covered inside out every day, even knowing what I know, it was incredibly difficult for me to, to buy this. Uh, propane refrigerators are available. I found one on a website. I called the company to confirm that, yeah, they really were using propane. And instead, I got a refrigerator uh, that used an HFC refrigerant that was thousands of times worse than carbon dioxide. And it, it was quite a process where I had to call the company back, had to return their refrigerator and have them replace it with uh, what, they, what they told me I was getting, which was a propane-based refrigerator. Thanks, Phil McKenna. Let's continue the saga of my AC unit with our other favorite refrigerant expert, Christina Theodoridi of the NRDC. Christina, what do you think of my R32 AC unit? Uh, you, you made a great choice. I'm, I'm really happy about that. 
and and actually your confusion and frustration around figuring out what refrigerant is in there is shared by many. It's actually surprisingly difficult to figure out exactly what's in an air conditioner or a refrigerator and whether it's good or bad. And there's there's actually a really fantastic website that's called climatefriendlycooling.com that's meant to help consumers navigate these types of decisions. Climatefriendlycooling.com. Chris, let's let's go check it out. I'm on it. You have the internet right there. Climatefriendlycooling.com. You're making me move away from my football game, but that's okay. Climate-friendly cooling, energy-efficient products that use climate-friendly refrigerants. Wow, they have a website for everything. Yeah, now, unfortunately, this is the website's a little clunky, but mainly what it does is it links to Energy Star. Ah. Uh, but this is cool. Like, if you click on the Energy Star link, you see that there? Yeah, yeah, I'm here. Okay, got it. Yeah, and see what's cool there? You can, you can, uh, you can select by... Under wow. refrigerant type, you can select lower impact, lower impact on global warming. Right. You finding anything in the in the heat pump section? There's rebates listed on this website. So you can actually search for the rebates in your area, which I find very useful. That's true. I went I even went to the refrigerator section because now I'm thinking my fridge is really old. I should it runs all the time. I should replace that. You better go catch it. <laughs> <laughs> You know, you can type in your zip code here and it will tell you the rebates in your area. So my local city, Glendale, will give me uh, like an $80 rebate for the fridge. And then not to mention the potential rebates from the Inflation Reduction Act. Grand. Okay, let's dig into more refrigerant details with Christina. Christina, same question I asked Phil. What are the kinds of new refrigerants that you've been seeing and studying? The thing is with the transition away from HFCs, from hydrofluorocarbons, is that we are looking at a lot of different types of chemicals to function as refrigerants. So in the past, we went from one big category to the next for every application. Now we are looking at many different types of chemicals that are tailored for the specific application that they will be used for. So for example, and perhaps that's somewhat counterintuitive, carbon dioxide is a really good refrigerant. Uh, and we're seeing it in supermarket systems nowadays. Ammonia, hydrocarbons, all of these are now being used in new types of equipment. And then some new chemicals. So HFOs, hydrofluoroolefins, uh, these are synthetic chemicals that we are using to replace HFCs in car air conditioning and to make insulation foams in, in a number of different applications. So we are now looking at specific chemicals for specific applications instead of a wide array. It still is quite complicated to figure out as a consumer what to look for. And frankly, one of the things that we would like to see is that you don't have to worry about it. So one of the reasons why we do this type of work is because we would like to see the market only supply equipment that doesn't have a bad refrigerant in it. We want all the refrigerants in all the equipment that will be on the market to be climate friendly. And we're moving in that direction. R32 is a great example. It's not perfect. It still has 
a global warming potential. It still warms the climate, but it is much better than its predecessor, and it's a step in the right direction. Okay. How about refrigerators? I'm just curious about that because that's the next thing that I have a like a 20 year old refrigerator. I feel like it's about to die. It runs all the time. Any progress on refrigerators for consumers now? A lot of progress on refrigerators, thankfully. Refrigerators is actually one of those applications where we've seen really great progress. So there are much better alternatives in the market and and climatefriendlycooling.com would be a great resource to figure out what you want because there's also the energy efficiency component to it, not just what refrigerant is in there. So you want to always look for something that has a refrigerant that's climate friendly and a pretty good rating on energy efficiency to ensure that the operating, um, the consumption of energy is not too high. So you're not burdening the climate from that angle. Uh, Air conditioning is actually one of the one of the areas where progress has been a little harder, but we are expecting that within the next two, three years, really not too long, we'll be seeing more and more products in the market with refrigerant that doesn't uh, do harm to the climate. So you've been doing a lot of work in this HFC area over there at the NRDC. You're working on the phase down of HFCs. You're working on bringing climate-friendly alternatives into the market. And you're working on an issue that may seem small, but could be incredibly beneficial. And that is dealing with leaks of existing equipment. Tell me about that work. Equipment that we have in our homes, our refrigerators, our air conditioners, those things leak. Nothing is perfectly sealed. And dealing with the emissions that are associated with us using all these types of equipment is really an incredible opportunity to avoid additional climate damage. Because if these chemicals don't reach the atmosphere, they can't do any damage. So we want to plug leaks. We want to reduce leakage from equipment as much as possible. And then once the time comes for you to replace your equipment, we want to make sure that that refrigerant is recovered and either recycled or destroyed. And home air conditioners are actually one of the largest sources of leaks in the United States. So it's important that all of us take care of that, make sure that we service our equipment regularly and that we address these leaks as soon as possible. That's not something that we would know is happening in our own air conditioners, right? Most commonly, you wouldn't really notice it. The thing is that when you when you get a service technician to look at your system, they can very easily tell whether the charge has been diminished. So if the charge is lower than what was originally in the system, they can tell that there has been a leak. And it's important to always stress that you want that leak repaired before refrigerant is added to the system, because sometimes it's just easy to add a little bit more and let it be. Refrigerant is quite cheap. So it's it's important to keep our systems well-functioning and to make sure that we address those leaks before we add more refrigerant. If not, we're just emitting these incredibly potent greenhouse gases into the atmosphere for no reason. Hmm. Well, I mean, that's a, a great proactive step that people can take if someone's just coming to fix your air conditioner. Indeed. Make sure you have no leaks. Yeah. 
And mm. I, would, I would really encourage that. What else can be done as consumers or maybe on the federal level? One thing that can definitely be done that's done uh, somewhat on the federal level, but, but states and local jurisdictions can also take action on that, is to really educate service technicians. Service technicians are the key in all of this. They're the ones who know how a system works. They're the ones who come into our homes and figure out what's wrong with our systems and figure out what they need. And every single technician in the US is certified by the EPA, but that's a one-time certification. You can be certified once. It might've been 20 years ago. You don't have to go through new training. And we have a lot more best practices nowadays and know how to deal with newer systems with different types of refrigerants much better. So there is a really good opportunity to do a lot of education and outreach for service technicians. And I think consumers also have a really important role to play here, uh, really showing that this is something of importance, that this is a service that we seek uh, can incentivize those companies that provide this service uh, to be a lot more consistent about offering it. Yeah, I think that is a really good point. I've noticed that the guy I had to come and install my air conditioning unit, I made that a point to say, well, I found this refrigerant, this R32. I just feel like as a consumer or as a technician, if you start hearing from just one, two, three people that you're concerned about this, it becomes a much bigger issue for them. I think so. I really do. And that's why I think it's important to raise those things that matter to us as consumers. All that being said, there there is action on the policy level. So we are thinking about ways that federal and state governments can incentivize a lot of those actions. The Environmental Protection Agency does have authority to look into how they can incentivize better leak detection, better servicing, and higher propensity of recovery of refrigerant at the end of life. So when you retire your fridge, make sure that that refrigerant makes it either back into another system or is destroyed appropriately. And we hope to see some some policy action in that direction pretty soon. Yeah. I mean, that's a really good point. If you know, if the policy catches up, then we as consumers don't really need to do that much work. But if we have the interest, if we're listening to this, um, it is a nice proactive way to feel empowered ourselves. Absolutely. And it takes that interest from everyone, from people, from consumers to really raise the profile of this issue for the policy work as well. So, so th these are all complementary actions. We, we all need to do what we can to make sure that we're dealing with this climate problem. Yeah, it's a real chicken or egg problem, one that we've been debating on the show a lot, the individual action versus collective action. And you can't solve it because you need both at the same time pushing against each other. Exactly. Exactly. I really hope that this conversation leaves people feeling a little more optimistic and empowered. Uh, that we know how to solve difficult problems and there are ways to get industry to a point where they are a part of the solution, just not just a part of the problem. And I'm 
really hoping that we can find ways to replicate this type of recipe for other issues as well. I'm sure you've already come come up against this. There's no shortage of things we need to do to address the climate crisis. And refrigerants is one chunk of it, and we've been doing a lot of great progress. I think we should all do our part as much as we can to raise awareness about this issue. It's one that we know how to deal with, and so make sure that we as consumers are making the right decisions. What you did with your air conditioner, uh, you know, try to f- buy things that don't harm the climate. Try to raise the issue of leaks when servicing our own types of equipment. And hopefully the work that we do means that you won't have to worry too much about this and for, for much longer. And we'll be able to turn our attention to one of the so many different issues that we, <laughs> that we need to deal with. Uh, to address climate change. Well, well done on your deep dive. And what I'd like to commit to our listeners is thank you for making us through this journey. You are now a PhD in ozone, and I promise we will not do any more episodes on this topic. That's true. This three-episode arc is done. So thanks for tuning in. Listen, if you're enjoying what you hear, be sure to tell those around you. Introduce the podcast to, to those who you think might be interested. Make sure you're following wherever you listen to podcasts. We're trying to grow the show. The Week on Earth is produced by Elise Louie with music by Amy Eileen Wood. Special thanks to this week's guests, Christina Theodoridi of the NRDC and Phil McKenna of Inside Climate News. That's it. We're out. Back to football. Back to football. We'll see you again (laughs) next week right here on Earth.